Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to what is the final season of Flourishing with PTSD, a podcast designed to help normalize conversations around mental health, specifically in the context of PTSD, also known as post-traumatic stress disorder. If this is your first time tuning in for an episode, first of all, I would like to personally welcome you. I do advise that since this is the final season that you do go back to earlier episodes before deciding whether or not to continue with these ones. If you are a regular listener or someone who occasionally pops in for an episode here and there, welcome to you as well. My name is Manda. I am the host. This is as good a time as any to let you know that I am not a medical professional in any capacity. I am not a doctor. I am not a therapist. I am just a girl that has lived through trauma and is well on her way to healing and living her best life. And as always, I will put a general trigger warning on today's episode. So please take a second to check in with yourself, see how you're doing, and deciding whether or not to continue. Okay, guys, I have a real blunt episode in mind for today, and I'm here to tell you that my ego is going to be put through the ringer on this one, and I kind of just want to jump right into it because I'm really nervous that I will chicken out. There's going to be a little bit of throwing myself under the bus um, of how I'm getting in my own way. There's also going to just be some really hard things that I'm going to share today um, that I have kind of like sugarcoated in the past to like people that I've spoken to about it like personally and today's just going to be a day where we get real so we're going to just kind of jump right into it again before I check it out um so once upon a long ago I had my ex-boyfriend come on the show and we talked together about what it would be like to date someone with PTSD both from my perspective the person with PTSD and from his perspective, the person without PTSD. And we were both pretty nervous about it, of course, and he was so excited to help bring that perspective to the podcast, for which I am so grateful to him. Um, He and I dated for a majority of our senior year of high school, and we broke up a little bit after graduation, and then we got back together for a couple of months um, when freshman year of college started, and then we just decided to call it. Um, and the details about that are ones for him and me. But what I will say is that as more time passed and the more experiences that I have had, I wanted to circle back to this conversation about relationships and partners and let you guys in on how my perspective on relationships has shifted over the last couple of years, especially as I prepare to close out the podcast, because I think this is a really big question point for a lot of people, um, especially if you're struggling with PTSD. Um, and again, especially if um, there's a relationship trauma in there, like if there's a PTSD from like domestic abuse or sexual assault or, you know, something around that. Um, so part of this episode is going to be some storytelling and part of this will be some current reflections that I've been sitting with. And then the other part will be some futuristic thoughts and thinking. So, um, as if thoughts and thinking are two different things. (laughs) Anyways, wow, we're off to a great start. Um, so first of all, like any story, context is very important. And this is a link that I want to make sure is represented because I don't see advocates or survivors articulating it the way that I wish I was seeing more of. Um, Whether they're unaware of it or maybe they haven't thought about it, I don't know. But it's something that I've thought a lot about um, as realistically as possible. And I think others out there listening may relate to this. So I want to briefly start with 
the person I was before it before I experienced the event that led to my diagnosis of PTSD and how that plays a part today in my view on relationships because there's a lot to kind of unpack there. So I grew up in a very close-knit family. Um, I lived in a rural area with my grandparents next door, um, along with my cousins next door to them and our aunt and uncle next door to them. So we really didn't have any other neighbors that we spoke to. I mean, we were pretty spread out because, again, this was a rural area, but um, this area that we were living in was also kind of dominated by this, like, keep-to-yourself kind of mentality. And I had a love-hate relationship with living out there. Um, I felt very isolated, and I resented that quite a bit. Um, But I also loved the nature atmosphere. And even though our close-knit family had some problems, I had this amazing ability to compartmentalize the good and the bad parts of life. Um, And I wish I was still as good at it now as I was when I was a child, but I'm not. And I don't know if that's healing um, or if that's just like something that's a prime um, experience in our childhood that we're able to do and just no longer able to do as adults. I don't know. But anyway, our family did everything together. And unfortunately, there were some issues going on that made things really rough. Um, So as a family, we all became very good at collectively compartmentalizing and pretending like everything was fine. And just a disclaimer that no one was being harmed in any physical way when I'm talking about some family problems. Um, And the details about that situation are not what I'm here to talk about today. Um, But again, I just want to provide context for this bigger conversation. Um, And, you know, I grew up having crushes on boys and they would come and go fairly quickly most of the time. And, you know, when I got to high school, things with our family were becoming increasingly more difficult to cope with, which meant that we all had to try harder to put on a good face. And, you know, my first day of freshman year... I met this boy who had the kindest, cutest smile I had ever seen. Um, I was immediately just kind of smitten. And we had a class together and he started flirting with me pretty much right away. And um, this story will help illuminate context for later, I promise. Um, But for the sake of his privacy, I will refer to him as Aiden. So... Aiden and I hit it off pretty fast, and all year we quickly became each other's person without really explicitly calling it a relationship of any kind, but the connection was definitely there. Um, and a lot of other, a lot of our peers knew of us as kind of being an us without being an us, if that makes sense. Um, and so that was freshman year and the following year of high school our sophomore year things started out pretty much the same as the year before it was really great but then everything started to go sideways when the person who started making my life a living hell showed up and yes I am talking about the person who would eventually attempt to sexually assault me um the amount of distress that I was constantly in had me dissociating pretty often and pretty regularly. Um, So the timeline of how all of this unfolds is not completely clear and concrete in my mind. And I don't remember too many things about sophomore year in general, if I'm being completely honest. So the way that I'm going to tell this is just to my best recollection, but I also want the disclaimer out there that um, 
some of it might be a little out of order. Um, so I'm just doing my best to articulate what I remember. And I've given this a lot of thought and really tried to let it come organically. But I think that's also part of reflecting on a really traumatic time when dissociation is involved is that you kind of lose track of time. And um, and I really had to dig around like events around that time to help me narrow down what happened when. Um, so I just want that to just be an honest approach to this. Um, but anyways, so as Aiden and I were approaching this place in sophomore year of wanting to be in a more exclusive relationship, things with the other person uh, were becoming much worse. Um, again, we're talking about the person who would eventually um, attempt to sexually assault me. Um, and it went from this person bugging me in class to stalking me to engaging in more aggressive physical contact. And while all of that was escalating, Aiden was starting to pick up on the fact that I was being a little distant and kind of shutting down. And so he was really curious about what was going on. And I had never mentioned or told him anything about it. Um, and I think, I think in an attempt to open up vulnerable conversation, he and I stayed after school one day and we were hanging out and uh, he shared about his home life and some things that were very difficult for him to talk about. And I was not aware of it until that point. Um, and he expressed that he was working really hard to kind of improve his situation when he got out of high school. So he was using this time to build up a reputation for himself, um, someone who could have good grades, working really hard to be seen as a leader, someone to look up to and someone to be respected. And he cared so deeply for other people. And he really was such a gem. Um, and I mean, seriously, his smile alone got me through some of the toughest days. And let me tell you, there were some really, really tough days. Um, and well, you know, after sharing all of that with me, I I remember just sitting across the table and looking at him and I I just shut down even more. And he was the kind of person where if I told him what was going on, he would confront the person that was doing this to me and it could easily escalate to a physical altercation and that's why I hadn't said anything to him up until that point. I was afraid that there would be this confrontation and until that point, I thought, you know, like, I don't want people like fighting each other over me like that that terrified me um and I wasn't I truly I wasn't sure who would win honestly um both had equal um opportunity I think um and then when he shared with me what he did about trying to improve his situation improve his home life um etc etc I knew at that point that it was over um I was just sitting there staring at him and I was quiet and I just remember um like taking in the smell of his cologne and and just having his presence there in front of me and I just remember thinking very vividly that there was no way that I could tell him what was going on with this other guy because I wasn't sure what a physical confrontation might do to his record or you know everything that he'd been doing to try and improve his situation and to me at that time you know I'm 15 years old um for better or for worse his record was important 
for me to help protect. And, um, and I, again, I know that that sounds really, really minor, but to me, like I was a rule follower. I was a goody two shoes. And so like protecting reputation, not getting in trouble, that was a really big deal to me. And that's the lens I was looking through. Um, and I felt like I was already in trouble, but I was, I was in trouble silently. Whereas like if he got into a physical fight with this guy, that becomes very public. And, um, we're talking suspension. We're talking, you know, I, and things I didn't even know, like, I didn't know how that would all play out. And I just, I couldn't handle it if something did, you know, I was already kind of at my max. Right. So, and, you know, I thought, you know, we're, we aren't even dating. If, if he walked away now, it would be one of the best things he could do for himself. And, you know, the way I'm telling this, it might sound like, wow, so noble, doing the strong thing, letting him go, like, wow. And that makes me come off way better than I was. Okay. Um, it's not like I thought I was in love and by letting go, that was me showing him love. It was more of engaging in psychological warfare with myself and making myself crazy until he would finally kind of like call it quits. Um, and I, I didn't know that's what I was doing until I can, you know, look back now. Um, but in the moment, I felt like I was so big of a burden that I wasn't worth keeping and that's where my mindset shifted to when the other person started causing more problems for me. Um, and looking back on that right now, it, it, it breaks my heart that I felt that way. Um, and that, you know, it, yeah, it kind of leaves me a little bit speechless, even with all this thought that I've put into it, um, for this episode. Um, but, it's not like I was like a noble person making that choice. And I hate that, you know, like the only way that I know how to tell the story kind of makes it sound like that, but it's really not a self-glorification. It's, um, it was kind of like almost taking the easy way out of, uh, like, oh, if I'm, if I make myself sound crazy enough because I don't have the guts to break up with him either, um, or, you know, like distance myself from him, like, in that way, like, I'm just going to make myself crazy with all of this worry. And by making myself crazy, he'll then finally, like, be driven to the point of giving up. Like, that's also not fair to him, but that's what I did. So I don't want it to come off like, oh, like, wow, you made such a great decision. Like, wow, like, that was out of so much love. Like, I was not that good of a person in this situation. So, um, unfortunately. But anyways that's exactly what happened though. Aiden had tried to figure out what was going on with me. And I remember, oh God, um, this is where I get, I get nervous, um, to share this because it just, it, it really sucks. Um, I remember, I I feel like shit for how all of this happened, but it was Valentine's day. Um, in third period English and he got up in front of the whole class and officially asked me to be his valentine and be his girlfriend um and again this is like a year and a half almost two years into us like being these best friends right and when I tell you I had to fight the urge not to throw up in that moment him standing there someone that I cared about so, so much in front of a class of 30 other peers. And here I was trying to phase him out of my life so that he could pursue his dreams without me creating an issue for him. He stood up and he did this. 
and it gets worse. I'm sure everyone expected me to get up and run over and hug him and say yes or whatever. Um, But I got up and I went up to him and I just kind of whispered that I needed to talk to him outside. You could hear a pin drop in that room. And all of this humiliation was coming to a peak. And... Oh God, it just felt awful. Um, We walked out of the classroom and we stood in the middle of that hallway by my locker and I was speechless. I, I was speechless and he was embarrassed. I was embarrassed and it was just a big mess. And I don't remember our conversation very well. I think this is part of where I kind of started to um, like check out um, because again, I was just, I was feeling so many strong emotions and I just couldn't. I didn't have the ability to stay grounded, but I know that I was trying to convince him all the reasons why I wasn't worth it, that why he didn't want me as his girlfriend and kind of putting words in his mouth, um, trying to anyway. Um, and I think he kind of gave me an ultimatum at that point. Um, like tell me what's going on or I'm out kind of thing. I don't know if it was that blunt or not. Again, I'm, I'm, trying to remember everything that happened, but this is kind of me trying to fill in some of the blanks of how this ended. Um, but my reaction, it just, it felt like someone had knocked the wind out of me because I wanted to tell him so badly. He was one of my best friends. He was someone I was almost in love with. Like, the smell of his cologne was something I was obsessed with. His smile was everything. His hugs were my world. And at that point in time, I was standing in front of him. I just remember I was sweating. I was cold because I was so nervous. Um, And I just, I wanted to hurl. And the next thing I know, the bell rings, people are in the hallway, and he's walking away. Unfortunately, we never really spoke to each other ever again after that day. Cordial nods in the hallway, a few brief exchanges if, you know, we ended up in the same classroom for a few minutes. Um, But that was it. And not too long after that, that other person attempted to sexually assault me. And when I was trapped in that room, in the dark, with that other person, my body just froze and my mind was screaming, screaming for Aiden. And it was, that was probably the worst part, is like internally screaming for him, knowing that he wasn't going to, Not only he wasn't going to come in there and save me like a movie or a book or anything, but also knowing that he wasn't going to be there tomorrow to comfort me, even if he didn't know what was going on. I wasn't going to be getting one of those hugs. I wasn't going to be close enough to smell his cologne. He wasn't going to smile at me. Um, I was ruined at that point. I was, I was ruined. Um, And even after that, no contact order was issued between that 
perpetrator and myself. Um, and even when that person left the school in the middle of junior year, um, there was no reconciling with Aiden and I never tried. And at that point I didn't want to, um, by the time things had finally settled, I was so traumatized and I felt so lost that talking to Aiden again never even crossed my mind until years after graduation. Um, yeah, so why do I share that story with you now? Well, that all happened when I was 14 to 16 years old in that time frame. My first real love encounter was in the middle of all that shit and it ended in a not so great way and when I was a senior in high school I dated Jacob who set an incredible standard of expectations for me and he showed me that vulnerability can come at the pace that I chose to set it Um, and when we were together he would ask me questions and be content with what I chose to disclose or not and he was patient he was kind and he defended me when I needed to be defended and During that time that we dated, I received my PTSD diagnosis and started therapy for the first time, which ironically, I never shared with him that I was in therapy. And I think that was because I was too embarrassed at the time and the stigma was kind of drowning me at that point. Um, But he never stopped validating me and he never once made me feel bad for struggling the way that I was struggling. And he was just there. He just showed up for me as my partner, which was all that I needed at the time. That was the perfect the perfect boy for me at that time. And when we broke up, part of it was me feeling like I needed to stand on my own two feet and learn to battle my own demons. And most importantly, come to terms with things that, um, and also work on things that I just couldn't work on and come to terms with while I was in a relationship at all. Um, at, at least that's how I felt. And I don't regret that decision because I was able to make huge strides in my personal growth that I don't think I personally could have made if we stayed together. And that had nothing to do with him. It was more to do with the obstacles that I put in my own way, um, as much as the circumstances put obstacles in my way, you know? Um, I've tried dating twice since 2017, um, both of which were very brief and also uh, epic fails. And that really put me off of dating for a while. Um, The most recent time being over the summer of 2020, which blew up in my face and it set me back big time. Um, And I was struggling with this narrative because of what I'd been through. Maybe this was what I got. This is what I deserved. Um, Maybe I grew so accustomed to secrets and manipulation and toxicity that I would never be comfortable in a healthy relationship, that I only know how to thrive and exist in relationships that are not good for me. Um, and kind of perpetuating my own misery within that. Um, and whether it's a matter of what I deserve or if I'm just a lost cause on the whole dating and relationship thing, um, you know, it, it, it kind of became this question of, am I better off alone because I know that I'm attracted to unhealthy situations or is it better to be with someone even if it's an unhealthy situation? Like what's better? Um, that's kind of where I was left, um, to think about, like I was thinking a lot about that question. Um, it, at 
the end of that dating experience in 2020. So how does that land for me now in 2022 when I've really jumped into healing even more um, and really just evaluating my life and looking towards the future and how's that sitting? Well, like I said, I've had a lot of time to think about this as realistically as I can possibly manage and here's how I've processed all of those experiences so far. Um, not all of my insecurities around dating come from the incident that landed me with PTSD. And that's the link that, I'm ta- that I was talking about earlier that I wanted to make sure was represented. Is that um, a reference to the person that I was before the, the trauma occurred. Um, and... You know, there there were factors before that season of my life that already made me cautious and uncertain about dating someday. So I think there's actually some relief for me in knowing that because part of it, it like, what? How am I trying to say this? I think the relief for me is that there was part of me that is still the same after the trauma and. Whether it's for good or for not as good, I don't know. But it's familiar and it's nice to have a familiar part of myself, even if that's a part that's cautious and uncertain about dating. That was something that was still kind of familiar. Um, And I think that there's relief in that because part of my healing in therapy for me has been also healing my inner child and my past self. And the child version of me was a big dreamer with lots of energy and hope for the future. And I can safely say that she never thought she would end up as today's version of me. And if she could see into the future, the me that I am today, she would be moved to tears with pride because I I became a much better person than I could have turned into. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, the... The relationship that I've built with myself, I think, will be the key into having a relationship going, like, where going in, I know my value and I know my worth, if that makes sense. Um, Knowing not only how to protect my own self-worth to myself, but also knowing that being vulnerable with another person makes you a better team when that vulnerability is both received and held in a healthy way. Um... And also, like, received and reciprocated, right? Um, It can't be a one-way street. And knowing that in order to have a sex... uh, uh, Oh my gosh, that... What? Knowing that in order to have a successful relationship, um, I'll never... Wow, I'm I'm really struggling right now. Um, Sorry, rewind. This is how you know my editing skills are seriously lacking because you're going to hear all of this. Um, Knowing that in order to have a successful relationship, I will have to let that guard down. Otherwise, history will repeat itself and I will be right back in that hallway while they walk away from me and the school bell rings and they're just erased by the crowd. Because here's the thing. I don't see how it's possible to simultaneously share and build your life with someone while also keeping them out of what is so central and so important to you. Like with Aiden, I would never have been able to enter into an exclusive relationship with him and win the war against that other person who was giving me so much trouble that I was in a constant state of distress on my own. That is something that I should have been able to share with my partner, that I should have done, because 
yeah, well, anyway, um, after settling myself down after my attempt at dating in 2020, I entered this place where I was just, I was certain I would never date again. It was so bad that I was, I kind of threw up my hands and I was like, you know what? I'm so done. And I felt like making space for a person like that in my life was just something I was not going to do. And I have not tried dating again since then. So don't, (laughs) I'm going to cut you off at the knees if you think that this is heading toward a living happy ever after, happily ever after, because I'm not, I'm not dating to this day. (laughs) Um, And however, while I have not tried dating again, I will say that part of this shift that I have been talking about with you guys over the course of this final season of the podcast has involved my perspective on relationships. And I want to tell you how this came about because it is honestly, (laughs) it's honestly hilariously simple. I don't know if hilariously is a word, but it is today. Um, But yeah, I want to, I want to share with you how my view on relationships has shifted and how it came about because it is it is really funny um I was watching this show and it was one of those 2 a.m I'm bored it scrolls on YouTube and ends up watching something totally random in another language and getting sucked in and watching subtitles and you know (laughs) all that stuff and anyways I was binging this show right and the two main characters are kind of in this like arranged marriage of sorts and eventually and predictably you know they start falling in love him falling for her first blah 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 and um I didn't really care much for it like really until there came a point where you know the the woman's brother is shot and killed this is her only brother she doesn't have any other family like this is it for her and and her brother is is killed and of course the woman is devastated she's grieving all of those things and I was about to turn it off because it was just too sad for me to think about but um as she was sobbing in her room that blank look in her eyes and you can see how hollow she's feeling um and you can just see that she she's just been destroyed um of course right um, but the her husband comes in, and remember this is an arranged marriage, and you know they they are starting to fall in love, whatever, whatever. Um, the guy comes in and sits on her bed and doesn't touch her, doesn't talk to her. He just sits at the foot of the bed as she lays there on her side, just sobbing, not looking at. They're not looking at each other at all. Like he's just there. Um, and after a while, he lays down still not touching her, still not saying anything, still not making eye contact or anything, just, just lays there and stares at the ceiling while she again is still crying and more time passes. And then he kind of like shifts and lays on his side and wraps an arm around her, hugging her, not saying a word. He was just there. Maybe it was because the show was in a different language and there were no subtitles because it was an almost silent scene. But that is when the value of a relationship and an understanding for why they are so vital clicked in my brain. My experience moving through this world right now is having friends who live far away. Like literally my closest emotional relationships are with people who literally live in three different time zones from me. 
like literally across the u.s i have like my best friends are in one of the three other time zones from pacific standard time um so if i'm going through something and if i choose not to tell my friends about it i'm alone they're not there to come and sit on my bed they're not they don't know to they're not close enough to come knock on my door they're not there to see what i'm experiencing and don't know to be there for me nor am i there to see if i need to be there for them and you know are they choosing to hide something or push something down or not right that emotional distance met with the geographical distance is enough to make anyone feel lonely and i'll tell you i've been feeling very lonely but having a partner when you get to the point where you're living together or you're constantly sleeping over or just close enough in general like emotionally or what have you whatever it might be when i watched this scene there was no way for her to brush it off to say i'm fine over the phone or from the other side of the door or make him believe she was okay and it was just a normal day and she didn't need anything and she didn't have to call she didn't have to stop crying long enough to ask him to sit with her She didn't have to do anything. He was just there. Being in the same room to let her know she wasn't alone. Letting her have the time to cry it out because conversation cannot bury or fix grief. All he had to do was be there. There was no sexual motivation. There was no personal agenda. It was so incredibly simple. And I don't know, make it make sense. But that is where my mindset has come to today. You know, I I view relationships as priceless. I cannot place a high enough value price point on what it is to have someone. A person who is there for you selflessly first. Again, that scene just plays over and over again in my head. And I I saw this scene one time, like, six months ago, seven months ago, from the time of this recording. And to this day, it's still something that I think a lot about. Because a lot of us tend to struggle to ask for help. Or there's this big pressure to make sure everyone else knows that you're doing great or doing well and that you couldn't possibly be struggling or you know i mean it's honestly it's it's like really easy to like fake the positive inflection of your voice and and talk fast enough to where you don't sound like you're depressed or you know like all the little shortcuts that are honestly easy if you want them to be um which we can be pressured to do with our friends especially if they live far away and can't be there for you or um if you don't want people to feel sorry for you or what have you. And that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself, right? But I think right now we're also in this wide ranging cultural shift where the pendulum is swinging back from focusing on putting others first to focusing on ourselves first because we need to take care of ourselves, which to a point is absolutely true, but everything in moderation, right? If we focus only on ourselves, well, that's, that's lonely, And then we have no one to focus on or no one to be there for us because we only focused on ourselves and we didn't nurture relationships and give time, give time above ourselves. 
But if we focus only on putting others first, well, then you lose yourself in the process. So it's this balancing act, right? That's what moderation means. And I feel like I feel like I'm in a more healthy state of mind and I've been able to do so much healing since I was 14 to 16 years old. And the beautiful thing within that is that I've grown to understand the value of a healthy relationship and healthy standards and how I will not compromise those standards and understanding what it would mean if I compromised on any of the standards that I have placed um, for myself and for relationships. And the reason I was so lost in overwhelm and thinking relationships had no solid purpose back in 2020 when I had my most recent dating experience is because most of my recent experiences were all centered around relationships that were unfortunately like a situation where the partners um, were only there for sex and that was not something that I was interested in. And when I was able to recover from that and define for myself what I wanted in in a relationship, that's when I figured out that I'm currently no longer overwhelmed with what it could only be for meaning oh I don't want a relationship because they only want sex or they you know like only want things that I like that's not what I want a relationship for in totality right but now I'm overwhelmed with this idea of how amazing it will be one day when I have I don't like when I've connected with someone who can do for me what the man in that scene that I was talking about did for his grieving partner and just as importantly what I can do for them in return I mean I can't tell you how many times I have felt awful having a breakdown or or you know just feeling like just completely distraught and 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 spiraling and too ashamed to call someone because maybe I've already called them once before or a couple of times in the past because I was feeling a lot like this or you know like getting up the courage to call someone when you're really truly feeling bad but the thing about a partner is that they're there they're there they just have to be there and uh, what a gift it would be to be in a relationship where you are on the same page, to treat each other well, to make each other better people. And to just like, just to show up would be such a huge comfort to another person. I mean that, wow. Again, how simple and yet so easily selfless. Just show up. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't give them the, yeah, uh-huh, right. No. Whole, like, all of your attention wholly focused on your partner in a time of need and the fact that you can just show up, be present. You don't have to say anything. Ugh. Priceless. I'm optimistic about relationships looking ahead. But I did tell you at the beginning of this episode that this was going to be very rough for my ego. Part of it was me sharing with you that someone left me. That is something that is really hard for me to say. Um, But to 
kind of like work toward closing things out, I will tell you that the obstacle that remains in my way to this day, it is my pride. Yep, it's my pride. (laughs) I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she's been seeing her boyfriend for a while and I asked her if she and him were thinking about taking the next step in their relationship and you know, she talked about it for a little while. She gave me her answer, but then she kind of turned it around on me and asked how I was doing with perspective on relationships because she knows obviously like where I'm coming from. And, you know, I got real candid because honestly, I'm sick of protecting my, my precious little ego and my pride. Um, so I said, you know, at this point, I truly do not feel like me not being in a relationship is about my PTSD. I do not think my PTSD is keeping me from being in a relationship at this point. I really don't. Um, And I think I have put a lot of work in and reached a place where I know I'm capable of being in a relationship. And of course, you know, I say that without really having put that to the test recently, but that's, it's about the core belief, right? And can we just take a second to celebrate that? I mean, hello, I am no longer believing that my PTSD is keeping me from being in a relationship. I mean, how awesome is that to believe that? Holy smokes. And like, I'm telling you, I wholeheartedly believe it. Um, so then you might be like, okay, well, congratulations. But like, if that's not what's keeping you from being in a relationship, like, and you're still talking about it on a trauma informed podcast, then like, what, what's the beef? Like, what other trauma are you hiding? Like, let's go. (laughs) And at this point, I'm going to be real. And again, this is where my ego is just like, oh, ouch. Um, Is that I feel like it's more about the fact that I'm too prideful to pursue a relationship and be rejected because I'm not good enough for whatever reason. And believe me, I I can give you reasons. (laughs) Um, And, you know, to couple that with the fact that I do know that I have a very weak self-esteem. I'm a very insecure person and I know this about myself and I'm still working from that baseline of like, I'm not good enough to be in the kind of relationship that I want to be in and that I'm not of high enough value to be worth someone else's time. But you know, you know what they say, right? Like the first step to solving a problem is admitting you have one and that's progress because even a few months ago, I would not have said this on the podcast or to anyone if they asked, right? Um, the fact that I'm just, I'm too prideful, but we're circling back to this idea of the balancing act, right? And I know that I will achieve my own standards someday if I keep working on it. Um, because the thing is, is that I can't have standards for someone else that I can't meet. That again is very mutual, right? You have to, you, you will get in a healthy relationship. You will, what you put in, will be a huge benefactor in what you get out of your relationship, right? Um, So in order to make real progress in healing or really in anything, you have to be real. In order for something to be successful, you have to be real and you have to be honest. Otherwise, you'll be stuck wherever it is that you are until you reach that point where you give up and you, you know, you, you finally have to be brutally honest with yourself. And I was stuck there for a while until I realized that I had nothing to lose if I decided to maintain my ways, like I really had nothing to lose. Like I, I'm fine how I am, but it was when I realized that I had everything to lose if I chose not to be honest with myself. 
all of the things that I would be missing out on. I have everything to lose because right now I have nothing. And that's when I started to crack the code on progress in this area. Reality is a balance and I'm starting to learn which of my struggles stem from PTSD and what is lingering from before the PTSD. And if I wanted to continue being brutally honest with myself, it doesn't even matter where my issues stem from, whether it's PTSD or before. You know, it doesn't matter where they come from as much as it matters about taking responsibility for it. And, you know, Daylin said, you know, in the stalking episode, she said something that has stayed with me to this day. She said, I don't think everything happening, f- I don't think of everything happening for a reason as much as finding a reason in everything. And it's not about taking responsibility for someone else's actions against you. It is 1000% up to you, though to heal and to better yourself, to advocate for yourself and to learn from your mistakes and to unlearn things you developed to get through tough times. What was valid to do in a time of coping is no longer valid or it's a lot less valid when it's time to make yourself a healthy person. That's on you. And again, I think that's part of the pendulum swing, right? Is, oh, like being aware that we can have very real reactions to abuse and struggling with PTSD. But there are there there is treatment. There are treatments. And you will get better if you want to be helped. That that's the theory, right? I know it has worked for me. What works for me is not going to work for everybody. But healing is 100% up to you. 100% up to you. No one else can do it for you. Your therapist can't do it for you. Your family and your friends can't do it for you. That's completely 100% up to you. You have to want it. And you have to work for it. So, again, that's a big part of just being real. Um... And having a good and healthy relationship with yourself and where you're at in the present is a good first step before trying to invite someone else in when we're talking about a relationship, right? We should not be going out and looking for relationships to fix our problems. Making sure we can stand on our own two feet is essential so that if things go sideways in a relationship, because they can, we know that we'll be able to handle and be capable of handling things as an individual and not placing everything on that relationship and if you don't have that relationship then you have nothing that's not healthy you still need to have a sense of individual identity within a relationship because if you don't that makes the fall that much that much harder to get back up from and I'm proud to say that I do not need a relationship with someone in order to be happy or fulfilled. My rising contentment with myself is something that I have never had before, and it is so much more life-giving to me right now. If someone were to come along and spark my interest as someone to date, then I might go on a few dates and try to see if that person would add to my life or if they would take away. And here's the last thing I'll say, is that the more healed I become, the less and less I am willing to deal with other people's bullshit. I am working so hard to improve and heal myself. And if I'm dating someone who is having struggles but not looking to fix them, 
or is looking for me to fix them, I have news for you. I am not sticking around because that will not bring out the best in me, which in turn will mean that that person will not be receiving the best I have to offer, nor will everyone else in my life because relationships with partners are so central to everything else in your life. So hopefully you can see the boundary between protecting your standards and also finding how to put another person first. There's, it's a very blurry line, which is why it's so complicated and hard to understand. Gosh. Okay, well, we've covered a lot today. I didn't think the episode would go this long, but I hope that you found something useful in this episode. Um, you know, I don't talk about Aiden very often at all because those memories are so painful for me. But I will say that I was talking with a friend about him the other day. Actually, it wasn't the other day. It was like a month ago, but she couldn't fathom the lack of closure that I experience around this because to this day, Aiden does not know anything about what happened. And my friend that I was talking to, she was right. I don't have closure with him at all, which is something that I'm currently actively grieving and have been actively grieving that for a long time. And the one or two times that I've spoken about him with my friends, my friends struggled to understand how much he really meant to me because they weren't around then. And how do you really process that experience when it wasn't exactly a breakup? It wasn't exactly a relationship, but it was at the same time. So, you know, it's complicated and it's gray and it's, yeah, it's just, anyway. So if you are in a situation like that right now, um, and, and maybe someone is giving you a hard time, you have to, you have to gauge what's right for you. But I'll tell you, if you're trying to decide whether or not to tell someone that you're actively experiencing something really terrible, like I was with Aiden and the other person, I'll tell you that it sucks when you realize it's too late to have that conversation about what's going on. I have thought many times, many times over, about reaching out to Aiden just to clear the air so that I can have peace and closure and move on, but unfortunately, I heard through the grapevine that I believe he recently got married um I don't follow him on any social media I have like no contact with him and that's okay um but if I could go back to high school and somehow have a second chance I don't know that I would do anything differently because I have to believe that I made the best choice I could at the time with the knowledge that I had even if it meant him being pissed at me but having his record totally clean. Because at the time, that was most important to me, was that he would be able to, um, like, maintain and continue to pursue a really good record and and be able to improve his uh, circumstances the way he wanted to without, again, like, anything that stemmed from me creating an issue for him. And... It wasn't exactly the fairy tale ending that that we want and that's expected and you know I think that's the closest I will ever get to closure around that and I'm coming to terms with that slowly over time but my advice 
is to just lean on the people that care about you. It is a privilege to help hold someone up that we care about. And part of me thinks Aiden would have been there for me if I had invited him to be. But I never gave him the chance. I made the choice for him. Which sucks. And yes, I do think about what could have happened if I told him. Maybe things would never have escalated to the extent that they did with that other dangerous person. Maybe he would have encouraged me to go to the office instead and report bullying instead of it getting to the point where I now had to potentially consider report an attempted sexual assault. Maybe Aiden and I would have been able to have that relationship, that official exclusive relationship. I'll never know. And I'm starting to become okay with that. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt when I think about it, but I think I've been able to come to terms with that and cry over it, like live through it, you know, finally, (laughs) almost a decade later. (laughs) I'm 24 now, so (laughs) Uh, yeah, but you know, some things take longer to grieve than others and that's okay. I think I had to grieve the loss of myself first before I could come back and grieve the relationship that I had. I think that's the the fact that grief grief kind of comes in waves. Um, grieving one aspect of that experience at a time. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for spending this episode with me, and I hope it helped you somehow. I know I packed a lot in here, but I wouldn't share it with you if I didn't think it could help someone. And maybe recording this episode of is going to give me some closure that I didn't know I needed. So I hope the podcast continues to be a source of comfort, knowing that you are not alone in what you are going through and that healing is possible and that it won't be like this forever. I hope it continues to be a source of education around these topics in a way that is approachable and accessible to all and that this podcast has accomplished my goal, which is ending the stigma around mental health struggles one conversation at a time. Until next time. Bye.